All right, an exciting episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. It'll be Dylan and Harry as always, and today we'll be joined by Wyatt Wendell of the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. So let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. All right, Harry, welcome back to another edition of Side Retired, Dylan and Harry, as always. And today, Harry, I think we're going to be taking a backseat as our listeners are definitely more excited to hear from our third voice on today's episode, Wyatt Wendell of the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. But before we go to Wyatt, Harry, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? <laughs> all good. I mean, we're watching a Phillies Astros World Series right now, which America is probably all rooting for the Astros. Or not again, sorry, for the Phillies. Not a lot of people like the Astros. I know as a Mets fan, pretty much dead set against the Philadelphia Phillies, but definitely a story for another day. Today, we're going to be talking with Wyatt Wendell. He's going to tell us his whole baseball story from college to professional. He's now at the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. This was 2022 is his first season with them after playing college ball at Purdue. So I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that. But Wyatt, I know this was a big season for you as your first in the big leagues, so sort of what happened this year? How was your season? How are you feeling as a baseball player and now officially a pro? Um, feeling good. Um, really, it all started um, towards the end of my uh, collegiate career there at Purdue. Um, had a really good fall, then kind of transitioned into uh, some some rough patches there in the spring. Had a few injuries that kind of set me back, um, and then just kind of went out in the summer and pitched really well, got back to kind of where I was in the fall, got um, noticed by some scouts and uh, kind of the rest is history there. Um, got signed with the Diamondbacks and then um, had a really good first impression there um, out in the ACL league. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that, you know, you played baseball this most past, this most recent season at Purdue. Well, I intentionally didn't mention it earlier, but uh, I oh, unfortunately am an Indiana uh, Hoosier. <laughs> so uh you have to you know, skip I, all this podcast <laughs> you know I, I went back through a game log unfortunately i don't believe that you faced off uh, against iu as a pitcher but uh you know you're you have a little bit of uh, experience with the rivalry does it have any sort of significance to you what is it you know what um, is the strength of the rivalry i guess from yeah so in all purdue sports it's a huge rivalry obviously you know that but um, on the baseball side of things, yeah, the games got pretty chirpy, um, and they were really fun games. Unfortunately, when we faced them, that was kind of when I was rehabbing from my little injury there in the springtime, so I did not get to pitch. Um, but one of our pitchers, Jackson Smeltz, had the game of his life on Friday night against them and just threw an absolute gem. Um, so that was fun to watch. But yeah, it was a good series, um, and we ended up winning. I think we. I think we walked them off um, to win the series. I want to say maybe not. I don't know. I have to look back. But yeah, um, yeah. No, it was really it was fun. High school. <laughs> yeah, and um, not only in baseball, but obviously you know basketball, <laughs> football. It's huge rivalry. So um, I didn't get to go to Mackey and see him play, but watched it obviously, and um, just the atmosphere around campus when that. Rivalries going on is pretty cool to be around. So, 
I like it. And then unfortunately, I'm at Georgetown where we don't really have a rivalry with you guys, but definitely interested in that college rivalry spirit. I know ours is pretty much Syracuse, but definitely not as exciting as it seems the fun hostilities between you two guys. I know you did mention, however, your spring season definitely had a great season on the mound, also had a little bit of an injury. So take us through your season in general, how you think it went, how you think you developed as a pitcher and sort of for guys who don't really know sort of who Wyatt is as a pitcher, how do you think you describe yourself and sort of get to know, are you a fastball guy? Are you a strikeout guy? And what did, how did you adopt as a college pitcher pitching at Purdue this past season? Um, so actually I'll, I'll, I'd like to start in my Juco days mm-hmm. um, and just start there. Cause you ask it um, what kind of pitcher you think I am. So um, going into Juco um, I went there in, in 2019 and really kind of, well, 2018. So that was my first year. So um, really didn't throw super hard. I got up to 90, 91 in high school, my senior year, and then kind of, for whatever reasons, took a step back. Um, my fall at JUCO was kind of 85, 87. Um, but I've always been a strike thrower, never really been a strikeout guy. I've always just been a, you know, like a strike thrower, low walk, um, just kind of making them put the ball in play so I can go deep into games. Um, and then I had my, um, I, I had a elbow surgery in the fall of 2019, um, and came back from that the next year I was throwing low nineties consistently. So that was kind of new for me, but, um, luckily, um, the control stayed. So I was still throwing a lot of strikes and basically my whole repertoire kind of increased with the velocity. Um, so yeah. And then. Um, as I got to Purdue, I took another jump the next fall. Um, that would have been 22 fall, um, or 21 fall. Um, so yeah, I took another jump that summer and I came to Purdue and I was sitting like three to five touching some sixes. Um, and I'd never done that before. My whole repertoire was a lot better. Um, but like I said, still a strike thrower and that's kind of always been my MO. And then towards the end of that, I started throwing a lot more sinkers. And throughout this summer, I I don't know, for whatever reason, it started to click. Um, You can get into the seam shifted wake type of stuff because I used to cut my four seam. So everyone's like, all right, here, try out a two seam because some guys just they throw it and magic happens. And that's kind of what happened with me. Um, Took a two seam grip and turned it into like a turbo sinker. And, um, that's kind of my main pitch now. Um, and I've been using that, um, with Arizona and throughout the summer. So it's been a big tool for me. Love to hear that. And breaking down pitching. I am sure those accounts like pitching ninja love to see stuff like that, where it's the two seamers, the grips and everything like that. I know another thing that is pressed on the baseball Twitter world, and that's Eric Sim loves to talk about the Juco experience and the Juco everything that he does with that so we have actually never had someone on that has played juco baseball before until okay. today's episode with you so if you want to give a little insight into sort of what that world is like what the experience was like and for maybe some high school kids who are thinking about it not sure about that whether they'd rather go to d3 or juco or whether they just quit baseball instead of juco what sort of the what drew you to it what's the experience like and if you have a pitch for it sort of to people out there yeah absolutely um, well, first of all, if you're an undeveloped, underdeveloped player, 
it's a great route to go. That's exactly where I was out of high school. I had no division one offers, um, one division two offer and a few JUCO offers, um, ended up taking the JUCO. And I mean, I loved my experience. I went to Indian Hills community college. It's in Southern Iowa. Um, and basically just got to go and develop and find out who I was as a player. And I mean, it was more of a, a grind, um, than say division one ball, but I, that's, that's exactly what I needed. I needed a chance to basically go in, throw a lot of innings, um, work on my body and basically turn myself into a new pitcher. And I was also a, a late bloomer. So, um, out of high school, I just didn't have some of the, the tools that some of those high school guys that go, you know, get drafted and go straight to D1 have. So I definitely needed some more time to develop. Um, but um, playing Juco ball was awesome. I mean, I made some really good friends, some lifelong friends. Um, and honestly, the, the talent in Juco baseball is legit. Um, we played some teams, especially uh, my last year there, we, we made it to the Juco World Series. And um, we played some legitimate teams that would 100% contend in Division One baseball. So um, it's not a lack of talent. I can tell you that right now. If, if, you're, if you're thinking you're too good for Juco because the talent's not good enough, I can tell you right now that it is. Um, find a spot that you can go in and play and develop and, you know, see what happens. That's kind of what I did, and it worked out for the better. So, Absolutely, 100%. You also mentioned a little earlier about kind of being hurt and going through the whole rehab process. How exactly does that rehab process work at, you know, higher level baseball? And what are some things that go into it behind the scenes that maybe the, the average fan or casual observer may not really recognize or understand? Okay. So um, I'll start at my JUCO because that's kind of um, where my first injury took place. And then I'll kind of work up through the D1 level. Um Fortunately, I haven't had an injury in professional baseball yet, knock on wood. So hope that doesn't happen. But um, so at my JUCO, I had had a thing. It's called ulnar nerve transposition. So basically, it's your your funny bone. And every time I would bend my elbow, it would it would dislocate. So every time I threw, obviously, that would be dislocating, causing a lot of discomfort. It actually had been going on since my sophomore year in high school, but it just got too excruciating. Um, so I had the surgery done and I'm very happy I did. Um, at my JUCO though, as far as like physical training and like treatment went, it was a lot on me and less on them, I would say, because most of the stuff, um, was stuff that I just had to keep myself accountable and make sure I was doing exercises because our trainer um, only came in like a few times per week. So, um, it, I mean, we were a separate campus than the normal campus in Ottumwa, Iowa. So that's where all the other teams are. At the time, it was just the baseball team. So the trainers wouldn't really be there very often. So it was a lot just um, me holding myself accountable and making sure I um, did the rehab process correctly. And I also got very fortunate with COVID because um, that was the year I was supposed to come back. 
And I don't know if I was fully ready, but the season got canceled. So I ended up being able to take a long rehab all summer and then came back in better shape than I ever have. Um, so that was great. But then once I got to division one, it's, I mean, it's a different world. Um, and I've even been told that some of the uh, division one facilities are even better than a lot of minor league facilities. Um, and I mean, I can't really speak on that because I haven't seen a lot of the minor league stuff, but um, there's food for thought, but yeah, at the division one level um, it's pretty great because if you have any sort of problems next day, you're in there getting MRIs, whatever it is that doctors come in, check on you, see whatever is up, what you need, and they get it done and it's quick. And that's awesome. I mean, opposed to JUCO, it was kind of a slower process um, for me just to get MRIs and I got ended up getting a dynamic ultrasound. Um, it, it took me honestly weeks, I think even a couple months to get all that sorted. Whereas um, when I had my little, I had a little, um, what's it called? Um, nerve or tendon in my middle finger, my pitching hand, mm -hmm. um, like a little stress. I don't know what you would call it, like a abrasion or whatever it was in there. Um, but yeah, it was like, just like that. They're getting mm -hmm. me in scene and making sure I can get back as soon as possible. So it's definitely a different world and in a good way, the more, the higher you move up, obviously levels are going to get better. Everything's nicer. Um, and you're going to get looked at sooner and all that. So. And then obviously there's also a ton of communication between yourself and the team, especially when you're at college and now sort of in, kind of transitioning with the Diamondbacks organization. Now it's the off season where you're basically you're back at home. I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording with Soro. Like what's it like now that the off season, you're not throwing anymore on a regular basis until maybe later in the off season. I don't know. You can probably get into this more in detail, but sort of is there communication with the team or is it sort of you're on your own thing doing what you want in the off season. And then when you get the call in February, March, it's spring training time you're back to work with the Diamondbacks. So sort of what's it like to be in that position now that it's off season time? Yeah. So um, basically how they do it is um, we have all these apps, team builder, um, group me, all that stuff. And that's how they stay in contact. Um, there's a workout app. It's team builder, like I said, and that's where they go on and they have all our workouts. We go in and log what we did, the weight, the time, all that stuff. Um, and the same thing for the throwing program, it's all in there. So we just log in, see what we need to do and get it done. Um, which I mean, like it's, it's pretty cool because, you know, it's at my own pace. I can go mm -hmm. do, get my stuff done, do my workouts how I want to make sure I'm on a good diet plan, all that stuff. Um, so I'm in the best spot possible when it comes spring. I like it. And then obviously we will mention if you're not then throwing, what are you doing in the off season? I know we mentioned a little fun activity you were doing while you're at home right now. So if you want to tell the viewers what keeps you occupied during the off season. Yeah. So um, I'm a huge hunter and fisherman. Um, it's currently um, bow season in Iowa. Um, unfortunately, but fortunately I tagged out on opening night. Um, so I've been kind of bored. I haven't been able to go hunt. I got my buck. So um, I can go shoot does or whatever, but I'll wait till a little later to do that. And then um, in Iowa, you can get another uh, buck tag. So it'll be a little later. Um, it starts in January uh, or early December for uh, late muzzleloader. So I'm doing a lot of that. And then um, 
my dad's a big trapper, so he's going to teach me how to do all that stuff this winter. Um, and we do a lot of predator hunting as well. So coyotes, bobcats, stuff like that. And then um, I also, I just got back from Colorado. Um, I was spending some time with my mom um, and I'm a big golfer. So I was playing golf almost every day out there. Unfortunately, um, it was great weather. It was mid sixties every day. So I got to do a lot of that. Um, but yeah, so as soon as the weather gets a little colder out here, um, all the predator hunting will be really good and deer season will be up and around and um, bucks will be chasing. It'll be pretty cool. So speaking of your dad, then I brought him up a little bit, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a shame if we didn't bring up the fact that, you know, your father was a longtime MLB veteran. Uh, how has he helped you in your baseball career? You know, especially because you're both pitchers, maybe, you know, you got a lot of your initial mechanics from him or just some extra bits of tidbits of wisdom that, you know, he's, he's sprinkled in throughout your life. Yeah, he um, has been a huge mentor. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, grow up with their set pitching coach or whatever. Obviously, I was fortunate to have my dad there by my side throughout high school, um, just watching me and correcting me on stuff and helping me to be the best player I could be. Um, and he he's he's been a great advocate for me throughout my baseball career. Um, and he's always known what I'm capable of, even at a, a young age. Um, you know, you get, you get doubts sometimes you go, man, am I really, am I really good enough? Can I do it? And he was always there He's saying, you can do it. Just give it time, stick with it. Um, and that's, I think that's a lot of, um, a lot of it really is just sticking with it. You know, um, some guys don't reach their full potential because they quit too soon. Um, so if you stick with it, some cool things can happen. Um, but as far as like mechanical stuff and stuff like that goes, um, it's kind of yes and no as far as he goes, because obviously his time, they didn't have all the super analytical stuff that we have now. So um, stuff like that, it's it's not really that he's too in-depth in it, but, you know, basic stuff. And he's really big on the mental side of the game. He's helped me a lot with that. Um, the one thing that he preaches and has always told me is to develop a routine um, and a daily routine as far as like literally to a T what I'm going to do to make sure I'm in the best spot on day five or if you're a reliever every other day or whatever it is to make sure you're in the best spot to go out there and compete. Um, and that's something he's instilled in me since I was very little that I'm very fortunate to have um, is a is a solid routine and um, a good worth work ethic. So I love it. And then obviously we've speaking with Wyatt Wendell, Arizona Diamondbacks organization. We have some nice, fun, rapid fire questions to throw at you here at the end. And as the podcast is named side retired, we'll throw these couple pitches at you and then the side will be retired. If that's all good with you, Harry, if you want to get us started, anything you want to ask rapid fire. Sure. Who is the best hitter that you've ever faced could be at any level. Ooh, the best hitter. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty big question. <laughs> well, this past year, actually, um, from Maryland, I think he got, I think he got hitter of the year for our conference. I want to say his name was Elaney, last name Elaney. I think his first name was Bubba, maybe. Um, but just solid hitter. I mean, we couldn't get him out when we played him. <laughs> it was stupid. Just, I mean, I I don't know how many homers he hit when we played him, two or three maybe in the series, but he was just going nuts. 
So yeah, probably probably him. You love it when there's the big power guys with metal bats. It seems like it's almost impossible to get them out. Wind blown no. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And then obviously, I know Mets fans, including myself, remember that your dad used to wear or wear shark teeth around his neck on occasions when he would pitch. So are there any superstitions, rituals that we need to know about you, the pitcher? I assume you don't wear shark teeth around your neck when you're pitching. So no, I don't have anything crazy like that, but I will correct you. They're not shark teeth. They're actually bear claws, uh, turkey spurs, deer antlers. I mean, he's got a bunch of crazy stuff, but no, but no shark teeth. No shark um, teeth. I do have one of those necklaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't wear it. I just, I don't know. I prefer not to. It brings too much attention and mm-hmm. it's honestly pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> so I don't know how he did it, but. Yeah, I don't really have anything crazy. I like it. Harry, you got another? Um, is there any pitcher, kind of just a, a flip of my last question, is there any pitcher maybe currently in the bigs, maybe just could be your dad, that you particularly would say that you model your game off of the most? Um, Honestly, as far as, like, mechanics go, not really, but as far as – how they attack the game, I would say Max Scherzer, um, just because that dude is an ultimate competitor. I mean, you you give him the ball and you pretty much know your team is going to have a great chance to win that game. And that's kind of how I want my my skip to feel um, when he gives me the ball. So um, I try to be the best competitor I can, and um, Scherzer's a great example of that. I love it. And especially getting to watch his mentality and everything to do with that. He seems like a big game competitor and hopefully we'll see you in a couple of big games down the line in your future as well. I know the last thing we wanted to ask you as a pitcher, it's probably one of those superstitious things. It's probably very important. I know Edwin Diaz claims when he comes into the mound and he hears Narco playing, he feels like the game is over. So as a pitcher for yourself, when you take the mound, what's going to be blasting on the big speakers throughout the stadium? Um, you know what? I haven't put a lot of thought into that. Um, but at Purdue, I had this, this old Akon rap song that I would play. It's called Gangsta Bop. And for whatever reason, it would just get me going. Um, and everyone in the dugout loved it. So I just stuck with it and it was a lot of fun. So I love it. Well, that is just true about baseball. Baseball is supposed to be fun. And it seems like you were definitely enjoying playing and everything to do with baseball. So, Harry, unless there's anything else you want to throw in here. See, we made it through the Indiana versus mm-hmm. Purdue rivalry. Yeah. You only had a tiny little snafu at the beginning, but there goes Harry I'm with his hat on. This for extra effect. <laughs> I should have worn my Purdue hat. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, Wyatt, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate all the fun, all the insight, all the memories, and all the insight that you gave us over this past half an hour. So, Harry, unless there's anything else, you either of you want to throw in closures can't say that with our guests see now you made him angry harry (laughs) anyway we're up hammer down come on now (laughs) we'll see what happens this basketball season got a feeling it's (laughs) that we will for you (laughs) i could say the same to you <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much. And Harry and I will be right back. But for Wyatt, the side is retired. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals for $20 off your recent order. 
We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including postseason baseball, the NFL, and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, Harry, a great interview just now with Wyatt Wendell, Arizona Diamondbacks organization, talked about Purdue baseball, Duke or Juco baseball, and a bunch of other fun stuff like that. Harry, what you got for us? Nothing much. We talked with a, a nice up-and-coming star. He's going to be a really good pitcher someday. And, you know, we got some little IU-Purdue rivalry going in there as well. So I had a great time. Love to see. And also a bunch of great stories, inside info into the baseball world. A lot of great content coming at you for Side Retired. Otherwise, the TikTok, the Instagram, the YouTube, as well as some great episodes. World Series wrap-up, off-season's getting started soon, as well as another great guest coming up on Friday. So thank you so much, Wyatt, for joining us. And until the next time, the side is retired.